Good morning, everybody. Happy Sunday. My name is Pete. I'm one of the pastors here. I am super glad that you are here as well. Although, second service, I have a challenge for you. Our ranks have become thinner in the last month or two. And I could harass second service people, and some of them are do-gooders, and so they'll come to second service if I like make a big deal out of it. But I think a better option would be, how about we become fishers of men and women and bring a friend next week on Sunday? That's my challenge to you. Bring somebody next Sunday. We'll fill up our ranks here in the second service. So I'm Pete. I'm one of the pastors here. I get to preach to you today from our Bible reading plan. If you would like to follow along with our Bible reading plan, it is on the wall just outside these doors. Give you a chance to read daily, receive some encouragement from God, and then you can come to church on Sunday with some idea of where it is that we are heading. And so I encourage you to participate as you can. Today we're going to read from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 5, and we're just going to go ahead and dive right in. So Luke 5, verse 1. One day, as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them there and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water, and so he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. So Jesus attracted people. And what about Jesus is attractive here? It's his preaching. He is traveling around preaching, and as the Bible says elsewhere, he preached with real authority. And so the people are drawn in. The crowds have grown like Jesus is really there. What would you do if Jesus was really here preaching somewhere on the earth? You would take a sick day. You would find a way to make it. We would get ourselves to hear the message of Jesus Christ. And so people are pressing in. And if you've ever been in a huge crowd, when the crowd starts pressing, you can't do anything about it. And so they're pressing in on Jesus, all these hundreds or thousands of people. And as they press in, he notices two boats here, and he steps into one. And the owner's already in the boat. It's a guy named Simon, who later we also come to know as Peter. And Jesus asks him to push out into the water so that they don't get trampled. And then he goes right on teaching when Simon says yes. Now, Jesus had just met Simon in the previous chapter, chapter 4. Jesus had come to Simon's house, and his mother had been desperately, severely sick. And Jesus healed her with a prayer. And so Simon's got to be pretty glad to let Jesus hop in his boat. He's available and he's willing, and so let's see what happens next. Verse 4. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Now go out where it is deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing, but if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. Now, in our story so far, we have one of the two people who is a professional fisherman. He fishes for money. His livelihood depends on the unique set of skills that he has developed over a lifetime of doing this. And this fisherman has just worked all night and caught nothing. And so here's what he knows. He knows there are no fish in that water right there. The other guy in our story is like a really good preacher. Simon doesn't know yet that this happens to be the Messiah, the Christ, who would save the world. But Peter has heard this guy preach and has seen him do a miracle. And so he points out to Jesus, FYI, I don't think this is going to work. But if you say so, okay. So sometimes in our lives, 
our expertise, our perspective, our way of seeing things, and God's plan come into conflict. Sometimes what we know can get in the way of us listening to and being open to God. And you know what? That's okay. Jesus knows how to get past our knowledge and into our heart. He had the words of life. He still has them. He knows the things we need to hear in order to be able to take a leap of faith once in a while. If you have found yourself unable to get there sometimes, the Apostle Peter has been there too. I have lost count of the number of times that God speaks through others or directly to me and tells me to change course in a way that seems unwise. It has happened a whole lot of times. I remember telling everyone in my 20s, I will never be a youth pastor because I knew I wanted to be a lead pastor someday, and kids don't need yet another person in their lives who's going to leave them for something better. And then I came to River Heights Vineyard, and I wound up teaching Sunday school for youth on Sunday mornings and really loving those kids. And then they asked me to be the youth pastor. And so I did the one thing I'm occasionally smart enough to figure out once in a while. I prayed about it. I went to a Catholic hermitage and spent a weekend kind of praying and thinking about it. And I went for a walk one day, and there was a cross in the woods, and I felt like the voice of God said, this is me, I want you to take this job. And so I took it. And I can't believe how God formed me and shaped me and sometimes worked through me in the coming years. Those kids carried me through some really hard times in my own life, and I got to serve kids that I know and love and some of whom I am still friends with to this day. One of them, Sam Marsden, became our church treasurer because I trust him all day long and I have known his integrity and reliability since he was 12. What kind of 12-year-old has integrity and reliability? A boy, no less. First service, someone said, a Marsden. And it was awesome. The Marsdens are our founding pastors and they happened to raise this boy. I have a question for you. How might God want to direct you? Where do you, in your everyday life, have a chance to respond to God's leading with faith? I believe there are people today who are hearing God's voice tell you to do something impractical. I want to encourage you, if that's you, trust God. Please do your discernment and involve your community and in the end, follow the voice of God, because it will take you amazing places. And that's what happens when Simon follows the voice of Jesus. Verse 6, this time their nets were so full of fish, they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat, and soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. Now, how amazing is this? This is a financial blessing, first of all. They're not happy to have fish because, woo, we can clean fish now, right? They're happy to have fish because this is their livelihood, and they've been blanked, and now they've got so much, the, the boats almost can't contain them. That's a tremendous turn for the better in these people's livelihood and profession. But that's not the only thing going on. They're getting to see another miracle, Another sign that Jesus is not just an amazing preacher. He is something far more than that. He's not just a good message. He's not just wise words. He's not just an example for us. 
Jesus has miraculous power that is the power of God. Listening to the voice of Jesus, in this case, brings an amazing miracle of provision for Simon and his friends. Now, I'm not going to stand up here and tell you that every call from God ends this way. Sometimes God calls us to suffer. Sometimes God calls us to do hard things. But I want to testify today, along with the scripture, that in a lifetime of following Jesus, you will find that sometimes when you do it, God blesses you in unexpected and genuinely amazing ways. I remember praying for four or five years, God, I want to go to a local seminary, but it has to be for free because I can't afford it. I had discovered through the Society of Vineyard Scholars that it turns out I love studying theology and learning from people who spend their lives focused on little minute things and then get it right and really nail it. And so I prayed with no faith at all for years. Hey, God, I'd love to go to seminary like all these friends I've made, but I can't afford it, so it has to be free. And I don't like online, so it has to be local. And then this friend of mine told me he was going to the Festival of Hermeneutics. I actually fell on the floor laughing at him. I'm like, that's not a festival, dude. You are doing it wrong. There's rock festivals. There's the Renaissance Festival. That's a festival. Festival of Herma what? Right? And so, of course, the next year he calls me and he says, hey, Pete. Oh, then he tells me what the Festival of Hermeneutics is. Get preached at for 8 to 12 hours a day for six days. Pay 400 bucks for it. Who wants to go? <laughs> I just, I literally on the floor laughing at him. So, of course, the next year he calls me and says, Hey, Pete, the Festival of Hermeneutics is in Minneapolis this year, and I'm coming out. Will you come with me? And I felt like God was in it, and so I said yes. And then at the Festival of Hermeneutics, they announced, Luther Seminary is offering a Master's of Divinity degree in two years instead of four, and we're paying for the whole thing from a grant. And I prayed, and boom! Going to this absurd festival led to me getting into a seminary program that actually paid me 30 grand a year to attend, and I graduate on June 5th. I'm super excited. And one of the things I'm excited about is to get to share some of the richness of connection to Christ that's been poured into me over the last two years. And so I just want to ask you, how might God be inviting you into something? How might God be answering your prayers in a way that God intends to be a blessing. God really cares about you, and he has a plan for your life. Some of you here are in a place like where I am right now. You've gotten to walk in some of God's blessing right now. How can we respond to God's generosity? Let's take a look at how Simon Peter responded in verse 8. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, O oh Lord, please leave me, I am such a sinful man. For he was awestruck by the number of fish that they had caught, as were the others with him. His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. And so Jesus is amazing when he preaches. Jesus is amazing when he does miracles. Jesus has miraculous power to do good. And so people come from miles around on foot. Nobody got in their car to go hear Jesus preached. They had to walk. They had to leave their things. They had to go to see him. And then he sells a lifelong fisherman where to put his net. And that fisherman, drawing a zero for 24 hours straight, 
pulls in enough to almost capsize the boat. Jesus is amazing. And when Simon Peter, the apostle Peter, when he realizes this miracle, he immediately becomes aware of his unworthiness. Jesus, so Peter, humbles himself in the moment where God reveals his love through Jesus. My grandpa on my mom's side was one of the most admirable men I've ever known. I remember as a kid watching him pour cement with my uncles, and he worked so hard with such expertise. He was a cement worker, working-class man his whole life, and he mostly let his actions do the talking. I remember he had cancer treatments in the lymph nodes on his arm in his 40s, and his left arm could move about this far. And every time it would snow in his 50s, 60s, 70s, even in his 80s, he would say, I can't let the widows shovel themselves out. Some of them are old. So here's my 80-year-old grandpa with one arm. He'd do this, you know? And so he'd head out, and he would shovel their driveways. And I remember his quiet love and support of my grandpa, how he led a prayer at every meal. I always admired him tremendously. And I remember my uncles telling me, even in his 70s, he told them, I feel like I have failed so much as a dad and as a person that I don't know if God will let me into heaven. And I'm sad he didn't know better. But he had had temper issues raising 10 children in a two-bedroom house on a cement worker's salary. He had not always done everything good. He knew the love of God, and he loved his church, but he didn't know if he was good enough. A common response for us broken humans in a broken world when we come into contact with the miraculous love and holy power of God who is so good common response is to feel we're just not good enough. And in many ways, that's actually true. I am not good enough to do miracles or make some of the changes in my life that God had to make for me. I could not quit drugs on my own. I could not beat depression on my own. God had to do those things. And I have felt so unworthy, like I should have been responsible for that, but God went and did it anyway. Have you ever felt unworthy of something God's done for you, of the gift of Christ? or of anything God's done in your life. I really love how Jesus responds to Simon's feelings of unworthiness. In verse 10, Jesus replied to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you're going to be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. So Jesus responds in two ways, first with reassurance, and then second with a mission. So first, Jesus reassures Peter, don't be afraid. You feel unworthy, but I have chosen you, so you are worthy. You might be a sinful man. Odds are he was, because he was a person like us. But you're following Jesus now. You're in good hands. Your sin isn't what defines you any longer. And so if you need to hear it today, please know, if you're a sinful woman, a sinful man, a sinful person, Hear the words of Jesus, don't be afraid. God has a spot in the kingdom, a spot in the church, and a spot in eternity for you. Through Jesus, through the perfect love of God, you can set those fears aside. They can be cast out by the perfect love of God. They have been nailed to the cross with Jesus, and you can be set free. Your fear does not need to define you. And in fact, the perfect love of God redefines you. 
as a son or a daughter of the Most High. Receive the Holy Spirit in the place of your fear. You are a child of God. The second half of Jesus' response is just as awesome. You're going to fish for people now. Jesus takes this guy who's been a fisherman, and he could have been like my grandpa, real sore in his old age, right? And Jesus says instead, no, I'm going to yank you out of what you're doing. I'm going to make you an apostle. You're going to be a witness to Jesus Christ. Peter, this fisherman, goes on to preach a sermon where 1,200 people come to Jesus and get baptized in one day. Jesus completely transforms Peter's life. I love it when Jesus does the work of transformation. We have seen this kind of transformation here at River Heights so many times. I sat down and I started thinking of the faces of all my friends and people I know here whose lives have been completely transformed. Unfortunately, I did this at midnight last night, and so I could not call any of them and get permission to share their story as part of my sermon. And so I'm just going to ask you, if you've had your life transformed by Jesus, would you raise your hand so people around you can see? Look at all those hands. It's hardly that many people. Some of us can do this, right? Okay, some of, us, some of us have needed a few rounds. Look at all the transformation that has happened here. I was a suicidal drug addict going through a divorce when God reached into my life and saved me. I have been depressed and suicidal for 14 years when God brought me joy that has lasted through 28 years of ups and downs. And I am nowhere near the only story or the most dramatic story here in this church. So many of you here have discovered what Simon Peter found. Following Jesus can change your life forever. So my hope for you today is that Jesus will meet you again and continue to transform your life. If you don't know what this story is about, if this has not happened for you, my hope is that it starts now, that Jesus meets you and takes you on a new path that changes your life and changes the world forever. And so I invite the worship team to come back forward. They're out in the lobby, some of them, and uh, to come back up here. And I'm just going to lead us in praying in that direction. So I invite you to stand where you are and to pray with me. So God... We ask you to come into our boat. God, would you step into our livelihoods, our lives, our space, our hearts right now? Would you step into our lives, each of us, and would you step into our church together, God? We want to hear you preach. We want to hear your words. And we want to see your miraculous power. We have people who need miracles here, God. We pray that you would set your finger down in this world and do some miracles. Where we are afraid, would you just forgive and wipe out our fear? I thank you, God, and I praise you for the transformation that you've done here. And I pray that you would bring transformation for all of us. For any of us who have not experienced it, God, would you transform us by the power of your love and Holy Spirit today.
We offer you our stories, God, as a testimony to your goodness. All our raised hands today are to your glory. They're because of what you've done, because of your goodness, your love, your son, your spirit. You are good. Forgive us all those places where we're not, God. Lead us into your kingdom. Amen. I have three tips for you to put the word of God into practice in your life this week. As we've received it this morning, tip number one, read Luke 5. Read about Jesus. Tip number two, pray for God to change your life. And tip number three is after you pray for God to do that, go do something different. Let God begin to change you even today, even tomorrow, even this week by doing something different in his name. We close with worship and prayer because those are the most important things we can do when we get together here on a Sunday. The worship team will let us know when the service is over. If you're on the prayer team, could you come up here right now? We could use someone on each side of the room. Do we have folks who would be willing to pray for people today? We got one. It's a Marsden, so that counts for a lot. Anybody willing on this side here? Thank you. These folks would love to pray anything good into your life. You can tell them what you'd like prayer for, or you can just tell them you'd like prayer, period. They'll be glad to pray for you. After we've had a chance to worship together, the team will let us know when it's time to go. And if you're visiting today, I'd love to meet you by the Welcome Center. God bless you. The Spirit of God is here. Let's worship and pray.